You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, first of all, yes, I took the day off yesterday. You didn't miss anything. If you didn't know that, that's because you're either not in the Facebook group, the Facebook page, following me on Twitter, any of that stuff. Because I put it in those places. Let me furthermore say that I appreciate everybody asking and reaching out, and there were entirely too many people doing this, as much as I appreciate it, asking about my mental health. I Look, thank you. But what in the world did I say that just set something off in your brain that said, this dude is not okay in the head? I just, even my wife, I just, I put that message out, and then I played a video game for a while. I'm like, I'm just going to de-stress for a while. And it's only... You know, 10 minutes before I get super bored because I just, you know, when I hit like, I don't know, 25 or whatever, it was just my brain said, no, we don't like games anymore, which sucks because I want to like games. But anyways, that's a separate thing. It's like a, a separate part of my brain that won't shut off. The great thing about games is you're fully immersed and the whole world disappears. Now it's like 10% of my brain gets immersed and the other 90s like, dude, you got a family. Aren't you like 50? Like, what are you doing? This is the lamest thing. Guess how many people with goals and dreams and aspirations that are actually accomplishing their goals and dreams are sitting around playing video games? Probably zero, which is maybe why you don't accomplish anything. That's the other part of my brain talking the whole time. It's like, fine! I wanted 30 minutes! I'll just walk away. Mr. Motivational Speech won't shut his mouth, so we gotta go upstairs and do something. But anyways, I went upstairs after my 10 minutes of not fun video game experience, and immediately my wife says, what's wrong? <laughs> I don't I don't know. As far as I can recall, all I said was that I'm in a predicament because I would love to take a day off, but then we're not going to be at episode 1000 when the Super Bowl rolls around and I can't do that, so I don't know what to do. My exact words are I'm not feeling it, which is a phrase that is said 10 times a day by every single employee at my job. At some point during the day, you just it just comes up just not feeling it. Yeah. Just means I really don't want to do anything else today. It doesn't mean anything. It just feels good to say it. Apparently, outside of my office, I'm not feeling it means I'm going to throw myself off a bridge or something. I don't I don't understand. I don't know. So I'm sorry that I put you guys through that and I'm sorry that I mistakenly was calling out for help. And again, I appreciate the uh, support. I'm just sort of embarrassed by the fact that everybody's like, "Dude, just take a day." Everything's going to be okay, man. You're going to get through this. Like, through, through what, dude? I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not picking on you. I'm just, it's, it's embarrassing that apparently I cried out for help on social media when that was not my intention. But we're good. We're good. I just, it was my own fault. Let me, let me explain what it is. See, I took a day off, so I'm going to get a little extra ranty. For those of you that don't like it, I'm sorry. That's what the Packernet Podcast is. It's probably why there's a hard wall that I'm struggling to get past in terms of numbers. But here we go. I, the weekends are hard. They should be a lot easier because I got more time. I can kind of relax. I can sleep in a little bit, get the brain kind of rested. The problem is if I don't have a hard limit, I'm going to make some coffee. I'm going to sit around. I'm going to sit on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, and I'm just going to sit around. 
And the longer I sit around, the more I just don't feel like doing anything. It's not helping me. It's doing the exact opposite. So after hours of sitting around just relaxing and enjoying my Saturday, I come down here and I'm staring at my computer like, dude, I don't want to work today. And believe it or not, this is this is work. I wish it wasn't. It kind of always has been to some degree. I mean, you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a job. It's a great job, and I want it to be my full-time job. Compared to real jobs, it's great. But it is work, and I didn't feel like working. And my brain just kind of turns into mush, and it starts getting lazy. You know, when you sleep in, you're not motivated. you got to have that alarm go off way too early and kind of zomb- zombify your way through the house, just stumbling and falling and tripping on stuff. Trying not to, you know, it's kind of like a controlled fall down the stairs. Slam a bunch of coffee where you're you're kind of half like buzzed with with energy and half still sleeping and and then then there you go Packernet podcast. So today is is sort of I was drifting very quickly into that not feeling a territory. So I really I kind of just forced myself like you're putting like oh I don't know exactly what to say. Should just put the headset on. We'll figure it out as we get going here. Get into that analysis paralysis thing where I'm looking at all the little details and nuance. Like I need to figure this out and I gotta do. Dude, it's just it's just Sunday. Just get excited about the game. So that's where we're at. We're all caught up. In terms of a makeup day, and I'm planning on a makeup day, three options. One of them I don't super care for, and I'll tell you why. It's a breaking news segment. I've done breaking news segments. I don't really like adding them to my list of full-on episodes. I do need to do them more often, though. But I don't want to set the precedent of a you know 10-minute you know, recorded on my phone episode becomes like an episode, and then my numbers are inflated and fake and all that. It's the same reason I don't add the Daily Cheese, or when I was doing On This Day in History episodes, I don't add those to my episodes. My episodes are when I wake up in the morning and talk, not adding the other stuff. The other is a uh, just a two-a-day, which would, I mean, it's, it's kind of going to be that either way, but a two-a-day in terms of, like, if the Packers win today, I jump on here and get all hyped up. The third... And I've had people poke and prod me to do this, and I just I don't want to because I don't want to isolate the people that are already annoyed that I'm still talking, which I do every day anyway, so maybe it's not a big deal. It would be sort of an ask-me-anything thing where it does not have to be football-related. And there's a small part in my brain that says, I wonder how many people really do like the rants, because that's all I hear about. Is it 5%, 10%, 50%, 70%? Is basically everybody that listens at this point somebody that just says, I'm kind of just here for the rants. I don't really care about his football takes anymore. I'm just curious where that number's at i.e. if there were a separate podcast out there somewhere, how, how well would it do? Anyways, those are the options I'm running through. If the Packers win, the easiest thing would simply be to jump on here, do a quick hoorah episode and call it a day. But but I am curious about the uh, the ranty podcast. It just, it would be fun. But anyways, now we're all caught up and I'm going to stop. So uh, Packers play today. I don't know if you knew about that stuff. We did get some very positive injury news, followed by some negative injury news, just kind of very weird. Um, I, I blasted it out to uh, to Justin, who does some great work for me for social media, putting together the graphics. If you are on um, the Cheese and Packers Facebook page, um, you've seen the graphics. But I told him, like, hey, good news. I just saw Jair's playing, Kevin King's playing, Devontae's playing. Like, this is awesome. He's at work, he gets back from a long day at work, he puts a lot of work into creating this graphic of Jair and King there, and he shows it to me about five minutes after I see on social media that Kevin King has been added to the injury report, and is questionable. As in yesterday somebody said that, like what, what happened? Playing rock, paper, scissors on the airplane ride a little too hard? So just to clarify, Kevin King was on the injury report 
with a quadricep injury. He was full participant Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And then he was basically a full go. This was sent out by the Green Bay Packers yesterday at 2.02 p.m. J.K. Scott, with a personal matter, has been added to the injury report and is questionable for tomorrow's game against the Colts. Cornerback Kevin King, Achilles, remember, different part of the body, has also been added to the injury report and is questionable. The guy hurt his Achilles walking to the airplane. So he's probably not going to play. I mean, I just, I don't know how you get an Achilles injury 24 hours before a football game and play. I just, maybe he'll be all right. I don't know. That's just, it's just baffling to me. It's really, really baffling to me. I'm being, I'm being sarcastic as far as the plane thing. I don't know. Who knows how it happened? But as far as I know, practice is over, man. Yesterday was travel day. Maybe it was two days ago. I don't know. Either way, what are you doing? Maybe, maybe they're practicing in Indy and he got hurt. I don't. It just, I, I just, I don't remember that ever being a thing, ever. Like the final report is the final report. You got guys that are not playing, guys that are playing, and guys that are game time decisions. That's it. You don't have an additional injury report after the final injury report. I've never seen that before. I'm sure it's happened. I don't recall it ever happening. It's just crazy to me. I mean, he was good to go. He was all ready. So I don't know. So that was that was frustrating, and I felt bad that I told him to do something for me, and then I didn't bother to even share it anywhere because I didn't want to blast out information. Everyone's like, oh, he's not playing, stupid. So it's a great graphic, though. You should go over to Cheese and Packers, check it out. He did a great job with it. He even said in the message, this is one of the best he's ever done, and I agree, and I can't share it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kev. Killing it, man. Anyways, again, we also don't have a kicker. I mean, we did uh, bring on, what the heck is his name now? Drew Kayser. I believe he was with the Chargers. I'm saying that because I want to sound smart before I look it up. Which, if I'm wrong, then I'm double stupid for not already knowing this before I start the podcast. And also for getting information wrong. He was. Boom. Scared me because it's, it's listed a bunch of uh, bunch of different things and he's wearing a Bengals jersey. So that freaked me out. But he must have gone to the Bengals at some random point. Why is he wearing a Bengals jersey? I don't know. I don't know. But yes, 2016, 2017, 2018, he was with the Chargers. Apparently 2019 with the Bengals and never kicked a ball. I don't know. He's holding something. I don't know. But um, clearly not the same guy. You would much rather have J.K. Scott. I know he's not the most popular guy in the room, but uh, J.K. Scott is a very good punter. Drew Kayser is not. Just for example, um, this year, 448 hang time is his average. His career average is 447, so he's pretty consistent with that. Drew is a 4.23 this year. 4.19 is his career average. So that's very different. It's a, somebody needs to come up with a better metric for punters because I just I don't like any of the like net yards again doesn't really work because it's how far you kicked it minus how far they returned it, which really the return part is not the punter's fault. I mean it can be, and I've I've talked about this before, and it's probably not interesting on a game day, but it's very simple. All you need is a punter to assess, in this situation, this is exactly where he needs to punt. And maybe PFF already does this, this isn't how they come up with their grades, but it's it's sort of like when you create a target for a quarterback. Like, if you throw it in this range, it's perfect. And this range is good, and this range it's mediocre, blah, 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 right? So if you're, you know, 60 yards out, and, and, and really it's just a matter of distance and hang time. You, in this situation, you want it to, like, if you're close, you want it to hang in the air for a real long time and then come down inside the 10-yard the line or whatever. Nothing about the return has to do with the punter. 
it's just a matter of this is your job did you do it or not and i you know again i don't know so i mean there's there's the the long right how the the longest punts his was a 67 in 2018 was his longest then there's the the most hang time or whatever but again it's just, it's so hard to judge punters because again in each situation you're asking them to do something differently it's not like field goals where every single time the goal is to kick it between the two bars different objective every time sometimes you don't want to punt it far so the the distance is not interesting sometimes you don't really want it to hang in the air super long right if you're punting from very far away you don't want a lot of hang time because that's going to take away from how long it is i don't know hard to gauge but again uh drew is not uh not the same guy just I guess if we're going to go off grades, which again, I don't know how they grade punters. Let's just assume it's the way that I described. Um, Drew is a 50s and 60s guy. J.K. Scott is a 70s guy. So, But hey, we got a guy that can kick a ball, right? And punting is just kind of, all I want is for you to not be horrible at it. And so hopefully he won't be horrible at it. He's better than probably everybody else we have on the team. So we'll give him that much. Let's put it this way. Worst case scenario, he's terrible and it helps us appreciate J.K. Scott. So there you go. Otherwise, Devontae Adams, full go, which is exciting. Montrevious is probably not going to play, which shouldn't matter, but he is kind of stepping up, which is nice. Uh, maybe the biggest of the day Jair is playing. Um, again, he's just been absolutely locked down, which is massively important. David Bakhtiari is playing, which is massively important, although the pass rush for the Colts isn't that great. We'll get to that. Um, Tyler Irvin is out again, which kind of stinks. Um Kadar is questionable. Kevin King, again, it says he's good to go, but this is uh, dated because they don't update beyond the final update. Alan Lazard is questionable. It does sound like he is not going to play. Um, again, my assumption was they activated him because this is the first week they actually thought he had a shot, but it's just it's clearly not coming along as quickly as they thought, so they're going to probably hold him out. Again, they might be playing games, but um, again, they, they didn't do that with Devontae or anybody else. You know, It must be highly frowned upon to do something like that because coaches don't really do that as much as you would expect just flat out lie just just give random information like i don't know this guy's uh i mean i don't think you can't lie about the actual injuries but if somebody's questionable which i'm guessing you can probably flub pretty much every one of these guys being questionable i guarantee you Devonte still has pain so it doesn't happen all that often uh mercedes good to go will redmond is questionable jk is not going to be there vernon scott's good to go darius shepherd and equinemius are both questionable uh, Tanyan, Turner, and Wagner, all good to go. On the Colts side, um, magically everybody's fine. Trey Burton didn't practice on Wednesday. He's fine. Uh, there are some questionables. Jack Doyle did not practice, but he's questionable. Justin Houston didn't practice on Wednesday. He's good to go. Kenny Moore didn't practice. He's good to go. Uh, Carl Willis didn't practice. He's good to go. You had a bunch more that didn't practice on Thursday, like Taekwon Lewis, Al-Qaeddin Muhammad, uh, Grover Stewart, and Noah tag blah, 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 who cares good to go then a bunch didn't practice on friday this must just be how the colts do it like you just give guys rest days or something that it keeps them healthy because i would have assumed this is a nightmare the the final day julian blackman didn't practice mo alley cox who's a young guy didn't practice who's limited limited didn't practice and then hey he's good to go like forget it i take back what i said the colts are just lying they're doing it uh, Kimoko Ture didn't practice. He's questionable. Uh, Braden Smith didn't practice. Questionable. Noah Tagluglug already talked about. Uh, questionable. And you got Anthony Costanzo was fine. Didn't practice. Didn't practice. Isaiah Rogers didn't practice. They're all probably going to be fine. Some of these guys are veteran rest, but still. I mean, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, didn't practice with a concussion, didn't practice with a rib injury, didn't practice with rib injury. Didn't practice with a knee injury, another knee injury, an ankle injury, another knee, pelvis knee. 
and now everybody's fine. Go figure. But anyways, um, so the Packers are going to be on the road. One of the things that is kind of, I don't know, it's it's a weird thing to say because usually what you want is the Packers in cold weather at Lambeau Field. That's the ideal situation. But I just, man, I mean, you you still want that. But if you had to be away, and we do, you definitely want it to be a dome. So I'm just looking at some stuff here. For example, and I feel like this has to be wrong, but <laughs> so I'm looking at the last three seasons at home, obviously outdoors. Um, I've got the Packers at 16 and four. Of those, um, three of them came on very cold days. Let's say when you get down to about freezing. I say about freezing because two of the losses came with an average temperature of 34 degrees. But it was against Arizona in 2018, um, against Minnesota this year, 34 degrees, against Detroit in 2018 when we lost 31 to nothing. Obviously, two of those games are uh, pretty unique. But, I mean, if you don't want to include it, then fine. The Packers basically always win. The only other loss that came in somewhat warm weather was 2019 against Philadelphia. It was 60 degrees. Now, the, re- the only reason I'm bringing any of this up is because if you would just eliminate that and say, okay, let's look at away, though. Away, outdoors, the Packers are 5-8. and eight. They beat the Giants in 2019, the 49ers in 2020, the Chiefs in 2019, the Bears in 2019, the Jets in 2018. They lost to the Rams, the Seahawks, the Bears, the Redskins, the Patriots, the Chargers, the Buccaneers, and the 49ers. Now, if we look at away and a dome, in that same stretch, remember, away outside, the Packers, not very good. Away in a dome... The Packers are 4-2. and two. If we add in retractable roofs, because basically that means either it's outdoors in great weather or the roof is closed, the Packers are 2-0. and oh. So we're talking 6-2 and two when the Packers play away indoors. So at home is great. Away indoors is great. Outdoors away, no so bueno. Now, it's true the last time we played there, we lost. But you get to a point where when you drag this thing out too far, it kind of doesn't matter. Right? I had somebody explained to me like you know the last three times we played there we lost well two times ago wasn't even in the same stadium it was in the 90s and it was Brett Favre and Antonio Freeman so I don't think that has much of a bearing on this team so the bottom line is it's a good thing that they're inside an adult so that's number one I mean we look we know that there have been issues with adverse conditions and we've talked about how the offense it needs to be in a rhythm and blah, blah, blah. And so the more things that we can take away from the equation of removing a rhythm, the better. And so if, if we're in a dome, then there's really nothing that we have to do to lessen the, the playbook. Whether it's the, the deep shots or whatever. There's, there's no massive wind gusts to account for. So... With Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams and Devontae Adams all playing, and there are still some concerns, there's no question about it, at the very least, we're removing excuses from this offense. I don't want to hear about cold and windy and rainy and snowy and nonsense. You've got all your tools at your disposal. Now, I want to bring up another point that I found somewhat surprising. And and again, I understand this is a very good defense, but every good defense is, is good in their own way and on some level it comes down to working together as a unit which usually comes back to the defensive coordinator etc etc but I want to hone in a little bit on the pass rushers because I'm struggling to find the Khalil Mack of this defense 
They went out and got DeForest Buckner, which was a very good move for the interior. Um, he has an 80, basically an 87 overall grade, an 88 overall pass rush grade, which is great. They love what he does as a pass rusher. Unfortunately, the, the results aren't exactly there. Whatever the, the, the contradiction is between statistics and grades, and I understand you can find some nuance there, the fact of the matter is the numbers aren't fantastic. He has three sacks on the season, and his pressure rate, he has, he has more pressures than anybody else, 29. The, the second highest is 22. He has 29 pressures on the season, 274 attempts, which is a 10.5 pass rush pressure rate. Remember, Zadarius just crossed over into the 10% mark, and we're kind of disappointed in that. All right, it's, it's moving in the right direction, but last year he was at about 17-ish percent. Right, real good pass rushers are 15-ish or higher. So 10% is... It's not even that good, right? Good is starting at around 12%. It's just not horrible. After that, 22 pressures, and, and it's a it's a big number in terms of sacks. They got some decent-sized sack guys. Danico Autry, six sacks on the season, but he only has 22 pressures. It's kind of a Kyler Fackerel, Preston Smith thing where there's a bunch of sacks, but if you look at the pressures, you realize the sacks are massively inflated. Doesn't mean he can't get sacks. For some reason, he's when he gets to the quarterback, he's getting the quarterback down more often than not. There's something to be said for that, but he has 22 pressures on the season, 235 attempts. That's 9.3%. Call it 9.4. Not good at all. Right? We're, we've dipped down below 10%, which is not respectable. There's Al-Kadin Muhammad. He has two sacks, 15 total pressures on 209 attempts. Autry and Muhammad are both edge rushers. He's at 7%. That's horrifying. Even worse than that is Mr. Justin Houston, a guy that I was hoping the Packers would get. Had a fantastic year last year, similar to Zadarius, really struggling this year. In fact, it's not even similar to Zadarius. I mean, the struggle is similar. The numbers are much worse. If you look at four sacks, you say that's not the worst thing in the world, but he has 13 total pressures on the season. 13. Um, On 217 attempts, that's five, we'll call it 6%. 5.99 percent. Six percent is putrid. It's unforgivable. It's, it's, I mean, if you're a rookie undrafted free agent, you don't get a pass on six percent. You just get off the team. So, completely unacceptable. You got Taekwon Lewis, who has 10 pressures on 90 attempts. Kind of a, kind of a Rashawn Gary thing, where the numbers aren't bad. He's at, what is that, like 11-ish percent, 12 percent. But the sample size is real small. They're not using them as much. They got Autry and Muhammad and Houston that are getting the majority of the snaps. Lewis, who's seemingly doing well when he's on the field, not getting opportunities. Then you got Grover Stewart, who's a defensive lineman. Seven pressures, zero sacks on 145 attempts. That's 4.8%. You got Ben Benogu, another edge rusher who gets almost no opportunities, slightly below 10%. Six pressures, 64 attempts, no sacks. That's basically it. I mean, we got other guys that are... A little bit worse. I mean, I'm not going to count safeties and corners and linebackers because those numbers are always quite a bit higher. But uh, Taylor Stallworth, one pressure on 63 attempts. That's 1.5%. Sheldon Day. Sheldon Day is six foot one, 294. If he's going to be good at anything, it should probably be rushing the passer. He has one pressure on 34 attempts. So the point is, look, they, they've got 
pieces, and I'm not going to say that this is a terrible unit, right? DeForest Buckner's talented, uh, Autry and, and Muhammad in Houston. It really just comes down to, if, you know, needing one of these guys to have a big day on a certain day or whatever. And on top of that, they're really talented in other areas. The corners are showing up. I, I've said, I don't know how many times I've mentioned, I think Darius Leonard is the best linebacker in football. He has my vote. I don't appreciate all these other guys that get all the love because what they are are just cover guys. The NFL loves guys that can run 4-4-3, right, or, or a, even a 4-5, just blazing fast, and they do a solid job in coverage. And some of them don't even do that, but they get credit because they're fast. I like Darius Leonard, and I've said it before. What, with Luke Keekley gone, he might be one of the last true two-way linebackers that are just as good in coverage as they are in, against the run. And I just I absolutely respect the guy. So you've got a great linebacker. You've got decent enough front you got the corners julian blackman at safety's having a good year so it's it's just and this has been the colts in a nutshell they, they've got guys that are good right you're struggling to find the super elite players but you got guys that are good you've got a good defensive coordinator that gets the right guys in the right places gets the best out of the guys makes the right calls guys do their jobs it's one of the better tackling teams in football which is always a real high marker in terms of how good a defense is the fundamentals the, the tackling not allowing guys to get you know eight yards when it should be a one-yard loss because somebody doesn't know how to wrap up. Means a lot in a football game. Second and 11 compared to, you know, second and two clearly is a big deal. And so, I, I again, we're, I'm going to go ahead and kind of remove elite pass rush. And again, this is the Packers have not faced an elite pass rusher all year, and they're not getting another one today. Now, there are guys on other teams that are considered elite but just did not show up or haven't been good this year, like with the Saints. And so I'm going to remove that as well. There, there's not going to be, and you've seen the numbers, you've heard how good Aaron Rodgers is when he's not under pressure, which is normal for most quarterbacks, but maybe a little bit more so for Aaron Rodgers. And I, th- there's never been a more definite year than this year. I've told you before, I've, I've, I've only ever seen a 99.9, I think, once in my life, and it was, it was uh, Aaron Donald in one game. Um, right now, Aaron Rodgers under pressure has a 52.3 overall grade. Not that crazy to be completely honest it's really not um that's pretty normal for a lot of quarterbacks some are better than that but it's not all that crazy he's completed 21 of 60 passes for 318 yards 5.3 yards per attempt uh one touchdown no interceptions he's been sacked 10 times two of those passes were dropped 17 of them were throwaways um 53.5 overall completion percentage however when he's not under pressure his grade is a 97.5. PFF is looking at Aaron Rodgers right now and saying, basically, when he's not under pressure, he's perfect. Pressure's a big deal. It's a very, very, very big deal. Always and forever, but especially this year's version of Aaron Rodgers. And I lie, the 53.5 isn't his passer rating, it's his adjusted completion percentage. His adjusted completion percentage, which is completions minus drops and throwaways, is an 83.7. He's completing 83, so 83.7% of his passes are on target. 192 of 254 attempts, that's not the adjusted version, that doesn't include the three bats, 13 drops, 13 drops, and five throwaways. Why are there throwaways when there's no pressure? That's baffling. Anyways, 2,260 yards, 8.9 yards per attempt, 25 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. No pressure is a big deal. So really what it comes down to is we can look at it and say, okay, so wind and weather, not going to be a factor. 
pressure, I'm not going to say it's not going to be a factor, but if the offensive line doesn't completely lay an egg, they should be able to be up to the task, especially since this is a healthy offensive line. They struggle in their ability to run the ball, but they've been pretty solid as pass, uh, pass blockers. So we've got a nearly perfect Aaron Rodgers with no excuses based on wind and weather, very little pass rush. The only real thing comes down to, can we get guys open? That's going to come down to Devontae Adams and especially Matt LaFleur finding somebody else. And, and I'll be honest, I have not seen that level of creativity in terms of using our running backs in the passing game as recently. And I understand that guys have been injured. Last week, they were not. I don't remember seeing a whole lot of Aaron Rodgers getting split out with Jamal in the backfield or vice versa. That kind of stuff has been lethal, and it was especially lethal early on in the season when you've got deep passes um, to our linebacker, and you say, well, you're not going to be able to do that to Darius Leonard. Well, who said he's going to be matched up with Darius Leonard? You sure Darius isn't playing zone? You sure he's not manned up against Tanyan or Mercedes? How do you know? How do you know it's man coverage, especially if it's a two-back set? And maybe you split Jamal out, you take uh, Darius Leonard, and he goes and you put him in the slot then you run a screen to the other running back out of the other side right that, that that all I'm talking about forget the specifics I'm just talking about creativity they, they have one linebacker that is incredibly incredibly impressive but if you've got an elite elite quarterback with plenty of time no wind and weather conditions the best wide receiver in football with an incredible ability to get open and pretty healthy across the board um, I like the Packers' offensive chances, and I know I haven't really mentioned the defense very much, but I'm not as worried about the Colts' offense. Obviously, if they just tear up our defense, that's going to be somewhat problematic. But this team is going to live or die based on whether or not the offense can overcome this Colts' defense. Are they going to be able to get into a rhythm and drive down the field and make plays and score points or not? If they can, I think the Packers win. If they can't, they lose. Something else I'd like to point out um, I mentioned the corners are doing a pretty decent job, and that's the reality of the situation, specifically in regard to one corner. He has a 78.6 overall coverage grade, uh, 18 receptions on 42 targets, only 300 yards given up all season. He did give up two touchdowns, but has two interceptions and seven pass breakups. He's a veteran. Uh, they picked him up as a free agent. This is the best year of his entire career, according to his stats and grade. Do you have a guess as to who this individual is? His name is Xavier Rhodes. Does that name sound familiar to you? Do you recall how many times we licked our chops specifically because of a guy named Xavier Rhodes when we played the Minnesota Vikings? Now, I'm not saying he's not having a good year. I'm not saying he's not going to be a decent challenge. But Xavier Rhodes is going to be lined up across from Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams feasts on Xavier Rhodes. So that is their... They're one real solid corner, and I think I'm going to stop there before I get into more of the specifics in terms of how this all plays out, because it's all downhill from there after Xavier Rhodes. Because again, as I said, they've got some pieces, but they're not perfect, and it's really just a matter of they're, they're decent at every level, they've got at least a guy at every level, and they're a disciplined defense, and that translates usually compared to other defenses that have a lot of really bad days, like the Packers. They have good days, they have bad days. But you stack up the bad days and it starts to look overall like this defense is kind of trash. And you don't, don't do that as much for the Colts. So why don't we take a break here real quick. I want to go over a couple other specifics, kind of going through the roster real quick. It's usually in reverse of how I normally do it. But just to give kind of an overview of the individual pieces and what we're going up against and then we'll call it a day. So the book is in over at mybookie.ag right now. The Green Bay Packers have gone from two and a half point fa uh, underdog to one and a half point underdogs now just one point 
underdogs. Obviously, we're drifting closer and closer to Vegas, viewing this as a coin toss. And it's moving in the direction of the Green Bay Packers. I'm guessing a lot of this has to do with health. So basically, Vegas is looking at this and saying, at full strength, in Indy, it's a toss-up. And I think generally, although this has been somewhat debunked, you usually, if it's an even team, you give three points to the home team generally, I think. Again, I think that's somewhat debunked. But let's just say, because it's my show and I do what I want, the Packers are uh, seen as the better team by Vegas. Either way, if you want to get in on the action, make sure you head over to mybookie.ag. You can bet on literally, it's not really literally, but a lot of stuff. Not only can you come over here right now, and you better hurry up to bet on these games in terms of the spread, the money line, the total. They've got live in-game betting as well as a full casino platform. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. When you do so, use promo code OVERTIME to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to $1,000. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you another $100 in your account. If you're already planning on betting this season, this is free betting money. It's a winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's take a moment to look at this. Um, we talked about Xavier Rhodes, and I, and again, I don't want to downplay it. It's entirely possible that this is an entirely different Xavier Rhodes. The Colts are getting something better out of him than what we used to see. But at the at the end of the day, Devontae Adams is ultimately very familiar with Xavier Rhodes. And as good of a season as Xavier might be having, Devontae Adams is having that much better of a season. Again, graded out as the number one wide receiver in football, along with Bakhtiari being the number five tackle, Lindsley being the number one center, and Rodgers being the number one quarterback. But again, we'll, we'll leave that alone. After Xavier Rhodes, they've got a couple guys. Um, on the other side, primarily, they're using a guy by the name of Rock Yassin. He, um, he's been terrible. He's currently graded out 108th out of 119. Now, again, part of the reason I'm highlighting this is to, again, illustrate they've got really quality players at every level of the defense, but that doesn't mean everybody on this defense is good. DeForest Buckner is a solid football player along the front of this defensive line, but the rest of the guys, Toure, Lewis, Houston, etc., not great. Xavier Rhodes is having a solid season, but Rocky Sin is horrible. Darius Leonard, Graded out as the fifth best linebacker in football. My favorite linebacker in the entire NFL. Bobby Okerike, horrific. Now, he got off to a really good start last year, and it was starting to look like this is easily the best duo in football. But um, he's played every single week, lots and lots of snaps. 
His overall grade is a 44, run defense grade is a 42, pass rush grade 46, coverage grade 52. He's not even at a 60 anywhere. So again, this is where if we can occupy Darius Leonard, if Aaron Rodgers has time, and again, across the board, we've got Aaron Jones, we got Jamal Williams, we got Robert Tanyan, we got Devontae Adams, we got Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they got Xavier Rhodes and Darius Leonard. Now they've got a couple safeties, but again, you decide where these guys go. And I actually think it make a lot of sense. And, and, you know, again, this is more of a Coach Holland thing. This is me pretending to know what I'm talking about. But if I've got Darius Leonard in the middle of the field, I'm tempted to split a lot of guys out just because I want to know what they're doing. I want to know specifically, forget what they're doing. I want to know what Darius Leonard is doing. And maybe if you put a guy in motion, you see him move around, you, you can kind of ascertain man or not. But I'm, I'm still curious. I want to know what Darius Leonard is doing. So I'm going to take Jones. I'm going to move him. I want to see if Leonard moved. I can put him right back where he was. I'm just curious. Is this man coverage? Are you man-to-man with my guy? If you're not, that'd be real good to know. If I take Aaron Jones and I split him out and Darius Leonard is just sitting there, he's either manned up on my tight end or he's playing zone. Great news. Now we don't have to worry about Darius Leonard covering my guy. You see what I mean? It's And again, I don't want to downplay this as though it's easy, but I feel like if Matt LaFleur is on his game, If Matt LaFleur is really doing his best to make sure that he's putting his guys in the best position to win, it's not as though this defense is stacked from top to bottom. They have very talented players, but they've got guys that are starting on this defense that are just putrid, and they have to do a job. And there are going to be times when we've got guys like MVS, like Robert Tanyan, like Mercedes Lewis, like Aaron Jones, like Jamal Williams, Lazard if he's playing, probably not. I don't know who else is going to be out there if Shepard and EQ are not the guys. Whoever the third wide receiver is, there's going to be points in time where they're going to be matched up against guys that are not good at football and they just have to win. Now that could speak to a really good game from Marquez Valdez-Scantling again, possibly. If they're expending all their resources, meaning two safeties on, on Adams and Darius Leonard on Aaron Jones, and we're struggling to run the ball because our offensive line has really just not been doing good since, basically since weeks three on... Week one and two, it looked like this was a dominant run-blocking offensive line. Since then, they just don't know what they're doing. And again, go back and watch Coach Hahn's um, videos on that. I've got it on the Facebook page or go over to YouTube, Pack Daddy NFL. Actually, also, before I forget, starting tomorrow, we've got a five-part series on this offensive line. It is a five-part Packer Pass Protection Series from Coach Hahn. It's going to run Monday through Friday. So I'm extremely excited about that, and and as always, I I hope we can do this every week forever. If we can do a five-part series Monday through Friday on a different topic, man, I tell you what. But very excited about that. Look to that. I don't know exactly what time. Usually I like to schedule it around 3-ish. Just looking at the analytics and whatnot, there's obviously a certain period of time in which the numbers spike. Uh, Obviously that's going to correlate somewhat to people starting to get home. I don't want it to be too late because then it's, you know, Whatever, it does. That's for me to figure out. But plan on early early to mid-afternoon Central Time, somewhere between 2 o'clock and 5 o'clock probably. Um, that's just when it's going to premiere, which means you can watch it technically live, which is kind of a weird thing where it's live recorded. But it's still going to be there. I mean, once it's done, um, you'll still be able to watch it. It's just kind of cool to be able to get in there live. There's like a live chat with everybody that's in there. So we'll try to, I'm going to try to build that up a little bit. But anyways, back to what we were talking about. Um, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of faith in our ability to run the ball. If we can do that, I think we win. And from that standpoint, I think it would be great to get out to an early start. And and as Coach was talking about in his videos and as as just I've been talking about, everybody that's been watching, 
Matt LaFleur needs to go back to the drawing board and say, listen, we are going to drill this. We are going to drill over and over and over because it is absolutely absurd for us to be the style of offense that we are. For me, wanting to run the offense the way that I do, and you guys can't do basic things in terms of run blocking, in terms of inside and outside zone, very basic things that you should have learned in high school. Clearly, Coach Hahn is a high school coach who's you know, spotting these things. These are things you are taught in high school, things that were drilled in college, things that, I mean, some of these guys are multi-year veterans in the NFL. In fact, all of them, with the exception of Elton Jenkins, are. This should be, in your sleep, you can recite your assignments. We're going to drill this over and over and over, and I I would be, nothing would make me more excited than to expect them to come out and throw, 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 and they smash this down their throat. Again, Buckner, Leonard, uh, the safeties... Kari Willis, a strong safety, is, is very talented in his run defense ability, 17th out of 83 um, against the run as far as safeties are concerned. Uh, Julian Blackman, more of their free safety type, but he is just a dominant run defender. So it's not going to be easy, and, that, and that's why I don't, I, don't, I don't have super high hopes, but, but let's, let's just drill it anyways. We're going to go back to the drawing board. We're going to practice, 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 because we know what they can do. We saw this team dominate on the ground. We've seen it in the past under Mike McCarthy with, with, uh, with Aaron Jones, for crying out loud. I know this team can do it. And, and again, nothing would make me happier to open this thing up with a bunch of runs that are going for 8, 10 yards. Just to establish early on, we are not scared of a single thing about this football team. Not a single thing. We're going to run it right down your throat. Don't worry. We're going to throw it. Ask your boy Xavier Rhodes over there about how much we're going to throw it. He knows all about that. We just want to let you know early on, we're taking this thing all day. However we want it, whenever we want it, we're taking it. That would be beautiful. I don't think they're going to do it because, again, I do think the Packers are a little bit scared, and and rightly so. Again, solid defense. Third in the NFL in yards per attempt at 3.5. It just, you know, I don't know. And probably worst case scenario is to come out with this macho attitude. We're going to run it down your throat. You run it twice for zero yards, throw it incomplete, go three and out, and then it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> that that backfired. Trying to be all tough and we can't do it. So, I mean, that's 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 the Packers in a nutshell, though. If you want to come out and pass, that's great. But the, the point is keep these guys off balance. They've got great players, but they don't have enough players. If you can establish multiple things and not just – Rogers Devante, Rogers Devante, Rogers Devante. There's a real chance of of winning this game with relative ease. You got to keep them off balance. Once you establish, you can throw the ball. Once you get them off their game, get them back and off. You can run the ball, but you got to be able to execute it. I don't care how much you get them off balance. I don't care how good of a job Matt Lafleur does of getting Leonard's eyes looking multiple directions. If you can't block properly. If you don't know who to block, if you if you have two guys that are supposed to double team a guy up into a linebacker and you both just pass on the guy, nobody even touches him. I don't care how well Matt LaFleur sets this thing up, we lose the game. So, you know, not to overly simplify this, but really it just comes down to are the Packers going to be playing with their heads in the game or not? And hopefully, for our sake, the reason they looked like they looked against the Jaguars because they just weren't in it because they didn't think they needed to be. And they're they're all the way in against the Colts because they understand. I mean, that's it's silly, but maybe that's what we're dealing with. Let's just say it is. On the flip side of things, and I know this is what most people are scared of. This is And I, this is what I've been pointing out for a very long time in terms of why I've been scared of the Colts offensive line. <laughs> Spoiler alert. In terms of facing the Colts is the Packers struggle with teams that run the ball really well. Uh, now, Naheem Hines is a talented running back. 
primarily as a receiving back, more so than a running back, but he's still a talented guy. The flip side of that is Mr. Jonathan Taylor, which most pa- most Packer fans and most people in general are familiar with, who is a little bit more powerful at 5'11", 221. Now, again, strangely, as a running back, meh. As a receiver, which is something that we were told out of college he can't do, he's graded 7th out of 62 running backs as a receiver. Now, regardless of the grades, the fact of the matter is this defensive line, and, and basically when we're talking about in the trenches with the Packers failing on both sides, Again, it really a lot of times just comes down to execution. And and Coach Hahn has done a good job of breaking that down on both sides of the ball in terms of it's not a scheme thing. It's about if you do your job, you win. And that's what it comes down to pretty much everywhere. On some level, it comes down to you do your job and you still lose. Look at um, pretty much any touchdown from Adam Thielen over Jair Alexander. Jair did his job. He still lost. Right There are times when you do a good job and somebody's just such an elite freak. What can you be expected to do about it? But ultimately, at the end of the day, football comes down to do your job and you're fine. The Packers' defense hasn't been doing their job. And so when you look at, from left tackle to right tackle, the grades across this offensive line, 71, 80, 73, 74, 75, nobody really is elite outside of Nelson, but they're all good. They're all good. It's a very good offensive line. And with the exception of Costanzo at left tackle, they're all very good run blockers. You add in a guy like Mo Alley-Cox, who's a really talented tight end second in the NFL right now is his overall grade he's also a very good run blocker you've got Michael Pittman which seems silly to talk about in terms of running the ball but we as Packer fans understand the benefit of a six foot four 220 pound wide receiver which is what Michael Pittman is you kind of understand that if the problem with the Packers is a lack of physicality this is going to be a brutal game and guys need to really man up in this game because playing soft football isn't going to work and that means winning up front, which, look, Kenny Clark was great last week. Zadarius Smith did a great job last week. But guys got to step up, and everybody has to do their job. If everybody does their job, Packers win. But everybody has to do their job, and that means playing fast and playing physical and not hanging back and waiting as a linebacker or as a safety. If your job is to fill, if your job is to contain, you better do it. So that's that's genuinely my biggest concern. Obviously, you know, anything could happen. They, they could throw for a billion yards in this game. I, I don't expect it. The wide receivers are pretty mediocre. I know Michael Pittman, there's a lot of love for him and what he's done, um, but we're looking at a guy that right now is 89th out of 118. He's young. He's, he's brand spanking new. I'm not calling him trash. He's 6'4", 220 pounds on an offense that has a new quarterback and, you know, whatever. But this is not Julio Jones. T.Y. Hilton is on the other side. This is not the same T.Y. Hilton of old. Not to say he can't be this week, but against Jair, eh. I'd be a little surprised if this is his best week. So again, the, the the bigger issue, and it is an issue, is that if the Packers are going to play their game, that also goes to the defense. That goes to the Packers controlling time of possession, and it's hard to control time of possession when you have a team like the Colts that's going to rumble down the field and take an entire quarter off the clock running and throwing to tight ends. The Colts are not bad at controlling time of possession. They're fifth in the NFL right now. The Packers are third. So expect this to be a very slow game where teams try to hold on to the ball and play keep away as best as possible. So anyways, I I don't know what else I have really to say about it. Obviously, we know this is going to be a tough game. As I said before, try your best to enjoy it. I'm going to try my best to enjoy it, Um, but I'm sure it's going to be tough. And unfortunately, the one bad thing about tough games, whether we win or lose, is that the negativity comes pouring out. The only time Packer fans are happy is when we take a lead, maintain a lead, grow a lead, and win the game. That's the only time 
Packer fans and Packers Twitter and Packers Facebook and all that stuff is just just lots of fun. It's the only time. Speaking of uh, flick chat, get in there. But otherwise, I'm gonna I'm just gonna stop. You folks enjoy your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Maybe today, if the Packers win, I may do my makeup tonight. No promises. But have a good day. Talk to you later. Bye bye.